Exodus 31, 1 through 6. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Arai, the son of Hur from the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence and knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed him with Ohilab, the son of Achizamech, to the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. This is the word of the Lord. And all God's people say, Amen. 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 Because He lives, we can face tomorrow. So here's what I want us to do. You guys just stay nearby. You can you can be seated. You can uh, uh, be seated too. You stay nearby, and I'm going to switch gears on the sermon I prepared. And maybe in the second service, I'll preach the one I prepared. And so if that happens, then we'll send you an email. And if you want to get whatever they got, then you can go listen to that. But I'm uh, thinking this morning of, uh, of a verse that came to mind as we were singing that song just now. And the, the verse is written by Paul to uh, some followers who are a bit discouraged they are a bit discouraged because Paul is in prison. They have followed him. Uh, they have believed his report. They have believed that Christ is the Lord, as we have sung. And they have followed him. And he, on his first missionary journey, trekked through Philippi. And when he went through Philippi, there was a woman named Lydia who was a seller of purple and Lydia was a wealthy woman in her day. And Paul goes outside the synagogue to uh, the, the uh, river there, uh, side where Lydia is just doing business, really. And he shares the gospel, and Lydia comes to faith in him. And so Lydia does, then there are others who do, and then Paul gets into a bit of a pickle, and he gets thrown in jail in Philippi. That's the story we know well, right? Paul and Silas are in jail. They are singing in the middle of the night, uh, worshiping the Lord. You may not realize that the, the command to sing, the command to praise God is all throughout Scripture. There is something when we do that. Scripture says God inhabits the praises of his people. Scripture does not say to sing when you feel like it. Scripture says sing, period. Worship, period. But it is a tiny little verse in Philippians 1.6 that Paul writes in that letter in which he, though in prison, uses the word joy uh, just all throughout uh, Philippians, he uses the word joy. And you wouldn't imagine the word joy showing up from a pen of a man who is in prison now. And he is in prison in Rome awaiting his ultimate sentence, which will result in death for one reason, because he preached Christ. And that one verse, Philippians 1, Philippians 1 6 being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. 
And so this morning, I just want to give us three reasons you can be confident. And so you'll want to jot these down as we trek through the next few uh, weeks of this Christmas year and, and just think through these three reasons that you and I have confidence. It's all found in one little verse. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. If you're here this morning and like Tim, you're struggling against a besetting sin, this verse is for you. If you're struggling because in the last year you lost your family, you lost your job, you lost your health, you lost the security that you once had, perhaps investments just went south, this verse is for you. If you're here this morning, and like I said at the outset, you lost a loved one, this verse is for you. You can be confident, number one, because God started the work. Did you hear what Paul wrote? Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, whoever starts the work matters, doesn't it? I don't know if you've ever hired somebody to come do some work for you and then they just went AWOL, like they never came back. You may have given them some money. Just watch HGTV. This will show up occasionally, way too often, right? But when God, who is the, not only the divine architect of this amazing universe that you and I get to see, but he is the divine architect of every changed life. He is the one who started the work in you. If you belong to Christ, you had nothing to do with that. And Christ had everything to do with that. Everything to do with it. If you are his, it is because he called you, he claimed you, he drew you out, as the psalmist said, out of many waters. It is God who does the rescuing. It is God who does the saving. It is God who does the calling. And since God does that, you can be confident because he started the work in you. What does Hebrews 12 call him? The author and the what? Say it loud, church. The author and the what? Finisher of our faith. He started it. And he is going to finish it. If you belong to him, he's writing the story of his grace in your life, through your life. I would just say to you this morning, if we could go around this room and the people in this room who've walked with God for any period of time, they would say to you, oh, there are some chapters. There are some chapters that I wondered, God, are you writing? God, have you gone silent? God, where is the pen? Are you writing those chapters? And I would just say to you, Tim Velez, God is still writing chapters in your life. That when you think hope is lost and all is gone and you are weary, uh, the, the scripture says, don't grow weary in doing well, for you will reap in due season if you faint not. Amen? Do not grow weary. I would just say to you this morning, do not grow weary in doing well. 
You can be confident, number one, because God started the work. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be what? Faithful to complete it. You can be confident, number two, because God finishes what he starts. You can be confident because God finishes what he starts. That's what Paul writes to those Philippian believers. They're tucked away up there, and uh, uh, they're, they're hearing that their fearless leader is in prison. And he's saying, hey, I didn't start this work in you. God started this work in you, and God finishes what he starts. If you're a parent in here, and you've got a straying kid, if that kid has ever known Christ, could I say something to you this morning? God finishes what he starts. God finishes what he starts. If you're in here this morning and you're praying for your husband, you're praying for your wife who's wandering from the faith, God finishes what he starts. Amen? When God starts a work, he finishes what he starts. I think of Rebecca sitting here from Chapel Hill, just went through like an incredibly difficult season as a student, just under attack, under assault by the enemy. Could I say something to you? God finishes what he starts. God has not forgotten you. Those of you who are college students away and you're trying to get it right, you're following in his steps, you're walking according to the ways of God, there is a silent partner who walks with you day in and day out. And I would just challenge you on some days where you feel all alone, if you would just quieten for a moment, you would hear the shuffle of sandal feet as Christ is just walking down the sidewalk with you. God finishes what he starts. You can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until when? Until he gets tired? No. No. Scripture says he never grows weary. Uh, until he's, he's done with you because you've blown it one too many times? No. No, you're covered by his grace. You're covered by his grace until the day of Christ Jesus. You can be confident because God started the work. You can be confident because God finishes what he starts. And you can be confident because Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen? Amen. He's coming back. Oh, wow. Let me just say to you, and you just so, I just say this as your pastor out of love for you. If you do not filter all the news that comes in, if you do not filter, you can't handle it. We are on information overload today. You were not made to know everything you can know. Teenagers, just you, you've got so many things popping up on your phones now, and, and it's making you crazy. You, you, you just were never made to know everything you can know today. You just were never made to know it. Probably one of the biggest things that cuts into productivity in our lives and cuts into effectiveness in our lives is that we know too much about what we can do nothing about. We know too much about what we can do nothing about. Don't know if you've ever thought about this. Just recently in a mentoring, sharing this with the, uh, the men and women I mentor who are in ministry, uh, this circle of influence and circle of concern. 
in every one of our lives is a circle uh, smaller of influence. If you're a husband, your wife, if you're a dad, your kids, if you're a mom, your kids, a mom, a wife, your husband, if you're a teacher, it's your classroom. If you lead a large organization, it's the organization. It's a circle of influence we all have. That's our circle of influence. That is what God has given you. That's where God has called you to land and make a difference. It's your life group. If you lead a life group, if you uh, serve here uh, on the stage and sing, it's that. It's this circle, right? This circle. This is where you are to serve. This is where you are to grow. This is where you are to minister. This is your circle of influence. But then there's a circle of concern. And the circle of concern are things that you are concerned about, but you cannot change. You are concerned about them, but there's not a single thing you can do. You want to be frustrated? Live in your circle of concern. You want to be unproductive? Live in your circle of concern. You you want to be just frustrated all the time or afraid all the time or worry all the time. The people who do that deal in the arena over which they can have no or little influence. And what happens? The more time you spend out here in this circle of concern, the smaller your circle of influence will grow. Happens every time. The more you worry there, the less you do here. The more you deal out there. This could be at your work, uh, and this is definitely with news and things that are, that's rolling in. There's just so much we have no control over. And I know that's such an unpopular message for Americans today. But there's just so much we have no control over. You spend your time out there. I would say theologically, if you spend your time out there, you will never know and grow in Christ. But on the converse, if your life is spent in the circle of influence, do you know what happens? It grows and it grows and it grows. Why? You, you, you do what God has called you to do. You grow where you're planted. You, you take what you've been given and you work in it and you serve in it until the day that Christ returns. Jesus Christ is coming back. And you can be confident this morning because God started the work in you, because God finishes what he starts, and because Jesus Christ will return. What will happen when he does? And team, you can come back on stage. It's the shortest sermon I've ever preached. Just write it down. Uh, You can come back on stage. What will happen when he does? 1 Thessalonians 4 gives a vivid picture of this. When Jesus Christ returns, Paul says in in verse 1 of uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. Why would he ever say, I don't want you to be ignorant? Because they were. Well, oh, that's offensive. No, they, they, uh, most scholars believe they wrote him a letter and said, we, we don't understand some stuff. He said, I, I don't want you to be ignorant about those 
who are asleep in Christ. Do you know in those uh, verses, I think 1 through 18, the word asleep appears five times. Five times. It's a euphemism, it's a metaphor to describe that when somebody dies in the Lord, it's as effortless as falling asleep. That's why Paul uses it. It's that effortless. Why would Paul use such a term? Because every person who read that letter and every person in here, do you know what we've all done? As a matter of fact, I'll prove it here, right? Scientific evidence. If you've ever fallen asleep in your life, raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, it's because you're asleep now. (laughs) So for those of you who belong to the Lord, death for you is like what you did last night. It's that effortless. You are with the Lord. Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant about that. That you may not grieve, he doesn't stop there, as others who have no what? Hope. He doesn't say don't grieve, but don't grieve like people who have no hope. And here it is. And this is why I would offer to the unbelievers in the room, because you're here this morning, you don't know Christ. And this is the condition for since we believe. What? That Christ died and rose again. That's our hope. Our hope is in a belief in a Christ who came as a baby, who grew up, who died, and who rose again and ascended to heaven and is coming back. That's the gospel. Since we believe, then those who have died in Christ will come back with him. with him the only way they can come back with him is because they are with him when when church now could you imagine a better place to be no well here's the question if you put that body in the ground how are they with him I've answered that question numbers there's their body but the essence of who they are their their soul is with the Lord. Scripture says to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. And so they're with him now. And when he comes back, there will be a great resurrection. And that body, buried, cremated, whatever's happened to it, will be resurrected and in a moment will be changed. New body. Reunited, new person. And who will be leading the charge? Jesus Christ. If you know him, you ought to look forward to that day with great anticipation. Let's stand, David, let's sing your song again. Let's sing this 
Now think through it in light of God's word. Let's worship him together. If you don't know Christ, Adrian, uh, our youth pastor, will be down. Uh, I'm looking around. I think Alan Michael's next door in this service. Uh, but Adrian, if you'll uh, just, be, just stand near the front, just grab Adrian. Oh, give your life to Christ. Lynn Bergen's here, one of our elders. He'd love to lead you to Christ. If you don't know Christ, do not leave this place this morning the way you came in. Amen, church? Amen. Church, say that loud. Amen? Amen? Do not leave this place the way you came in. And if you're far from him, come home this morning. Come home. Come home. Let's worship.